Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Bashir Saladin and Diallo Riddle met in college and became fast friends and comedy partners, but they did not take the typical path from Harvard to Hollywood. Their scenic route through show business included making their own videos before YouTube, to web series for a shuttered HBO website, to writing for Comedy Central's Chocolate News, and eventually to joining the original late-night writing staff for Jimmy Fallon, where they birthed successful bits such as Slow Jam the News. When they left Fallon, they found individual success, Bashir and Glow, and in the upcoming Top Gun sequel, Diallo in the sitcom Marlin, and together they wrote for the variety series Maya and Marty. In July 2019, Bashir and Diallo have not one but two new comedy series premiering on TV, the sitcom Southside on Comedy Central, and the variety spoof Sherman's Showcase on IFC. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it! It's, this it's, is all comedy stuff. It's important that you stay hydrated and uh, very drink a lot of water. Have have carbs and protein and amen. Especially when you've got two shows coming on the air, not just mm-hmm. one. I mean, I know we're here at Comedy Central to talk about Southside. Yeah, but you also have in the same month of July, Sherman we're Showcase. We're very lucky. You know, we see IFC. it as, as a situation where we we've always wanted our own show, wanted a baby, and you know we got blessed with twins, so we'll take it. Well, well, I don't know if this, is, if this counts as a fun fact or not, but 20 years ago, I interviewed for a job at the Daily Southtown, the paper in the south side of, wow. of Chicago. And the day that I interviewed, they, they flew me in. They put me up in a, in a little motel on the south side. And the day that I was interviewing in the managing editor's office, they were announcing layoffs. In the newsroom, I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm getting this job. <laughs> it's the wrong day to show up there, man. Yeah. So I didn't get that. But then things worked out for me over the last 20 years. You got to hang out in Southside. And I wonder if you, if you felt the same thing post-Brothers in Atlanta. Mm. Where it's like you, you thought... Your research, you thought I, I was like, I wonder if he's about to make this segue. Yeah. You, 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 know you thought I, you, you know, were going to have a show with HBO, yeah. and then you don't get that. But now you have... Well, three years you know, later, you have two shows. It's really... That was actually... A really good thing that happened because the brothers in Atlanta did not have, you know, my best friends, my wife, my brothers, my sister. You know, Southside is such a family affair. I mean, in front of and behind the camera. You know, I think every one of my siblings is in the first season. My mom is in the first season. So, you know, at the time it was certainly, um, it felt awful. But in hindsight, I'm so happy that it happened because I wouldn't trade that for this, you know, for all the money in the world, to be able to go to work every day and see this guy and see people I went to high school with. And we're all doing what we did in high school, just making each other laugh. I mean, one of the things about Southside is we really, you know, I'll, I'll say it this way. Often when you ask people who the funniest person in their life is, you know, sometimes they'll say comedians, but often they'll be, oh, my friend from high school, or like mm-hmm. my auntie is hilarious. And so what we did was we have a show where all those funny people, the funniest people in our lives, we get to put them in front of and behind the camera. And it's, it's truly a family affair. And, uh, I mean, we just couldn't be more lucky to be able to make funny stuff every day with people we love. Building off of that, how do you, how do you manage to bring out the best 
in your family members when they don't have the same skill sets necessarily. Well, I, I would argue that they definitely don't have as many hours of you know production meetings and costume fittings as I do. But in terms of funny, mm-hmm. you know, you can't teach funny. It's either there or it ain't. And uh, I think, you know, even with stand-up comedians, Dave Chappelle always says that his very first set he ever did, he killed. You know, some comedians have, I mean, everybody's different. Some people have a, a longer arc to figure out their voice. But, you know, I, I, we're literally doing the jokes we would do around the table at Thanksgiving. And it's making a crew of people laugh who had never met these people before. So certainly the number of hours they've spent in front of the camera is, is going to get better. But in terms of the actual funny that they bring, I mean, they just had it from day one. And we were able to catch our lightning in a bottle. Speaking of day one, what was day one of you two like at Harvard when you first met? <sighs> Good question. Because you were different years, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. Uh, it was, it's a really good question. Um, we met in an acapella group. Uh, it's called Brothers. I'll let you guess the race. And it was an interesting thing because, was, you know. I, I'll let you guess the race. Was that in parentheses? Or is that- I, I want people to just think about an acapella group. <laughs> but we figured CDs are never going to style. And uh, it'll all be on the cover of the album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Brothers, I guess I bet you can guess the race. You know, it was like uh, you know, nowadays you got groups like you know, young. What is it? Young boy never go rich, never go broke again. Or, you know, my mom still. Uh, I went to Princeton, and my mom still at Christmas time will break out this CD of holiday acapella. That I mean, she got from. <laughs> My years at Princeton. You know, I wasn't in one was, of the groups. I wasn't in one of the groups. You weren't even in the group. No. Oh. Just like that music. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we know who likes that acapella music, because I certainly... Well, this was years before Pitch Perfect, like, so... Well... guys from New Jersey were singing these songs of Yuletide joy, and I just can't throw this CD away. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, you know... So you guys we, met in Yeah, acapella is ubiquitous in, in colleges, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's a little bit... Annoying. We tried to make it a little bit different and sing like like 60s soul and like some Negro spirituals. And, you know, the campus just went crazy for it. Did you ever do any any kind of early iteration of Slow Jam the News? You know, no, we didn't actually. No. Um, that really was an organic thing that came out. You know, okay. it's interesting. Like, when we first got to the Jimmy Fallon, uh, late night with Jimmy Fallon, uh, we were there like three or four months before the show even aired. You know, nobody knew what was going on. The only person SNL who'd had a talk show had been Chevy Chase and you know that didn't last we had you know very uh, politics (laughs) exactly you know flawless but you know he he wouldn't kiss the man's ass (laughs) but you know we didn't know what was going to happen we were on a 13 week contract I think we were just stupid enough to just give it all we had and not care and and we looked up a couple years later we had a couple Emmy nominations and some classic bits on television and it really was because of Jimmy just being supportive and, and encouraging us to just forget everything everybody else had done mm-hmm. and to find our own voice. And I think even with our own work, we try to keep that going. What about the years in between Brothers, Can You Guess the Race? And I, I don't know why I'm sticking. I'm, I'm no, committed. No, no, I'm like, committed to this conceit. Listen, we, we what about those years in between Harvard and Fallon, though? You know, those are those are the years that made our comedy what it is because uh, you come out of college and you don't know what uh, you want to do with your life. Um, you know, I think we had an inkling, you know. Uh, I thought that I wanted to be a studio executive. Bashir was, uh, he, he was on a desk at a studio, but I, but he was already acting. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, you know, you probably saw yourself more on an actor. Originally, I was going to be a doctor. What was your opinion of the lampoon? 
when you were there? We didn't know. You know, it's it's just you like how they. That you know, that no, but listen, yeah. listen, listen. Yeah. It's it's like it's like the cultural bias of the of the SAT. Like yeah. you get to Harvard, like. You know, working class kids and a lot of the, the minority kids get there. They're like, okay, now I, this is my chance to like learn the stuff that'll make me a millionaire. And you know, a lot of the kids who were coming from Phillips Exeter mm-hmm. and Andover and, 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 you know, Sidwell Choate friends. and Sidwell <laughs> friends, you know, they were coming there and they're like, don't throw Barry Tunde. You know, hey, well, you know, Tunde. shout out to Tunde. By the way, his Tunde. TED talk is breaking Tunde. records. His TED talk is breaking records. Yeah. So shout out to, to Tunde, but uh, he's a couple years behind. You've done all the research. Yeah. Well, so well, the who's BMF, your source? At the BMF. We talked to my wife. BMF didn't have you talked to my wife? Uh, no. <laughs> the yet. BMF. Yeah. Well, BMF is amazing. Man. <laughs> this is the most scandal-ridden interview <laughs> of all time. So BMF you, nowadays it means something else in the culture. But when we were in school, it stood for Black Men's Forum. We didn't know that almost simultaneously a uh, large criminal organization was <laughs> you know growing up in Atlanta. Nobody knew. No, no, because BMF. The, 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 no, because look, if we if we were in school, and I'm going to date us now. If we were in school the same time as BMF, we would have been there around 0304. We'd already graduated by then. So, no, nobody was talking what about BMF at that 04? time. You were in Hollywood. Oh yeah, you know I was. Um, Sketch comedy groups. Yep. Okay. We were both trying to figure out why it is we were in these like small rinky dink sketch comedy groups not getting the parts we wanted i think if you if you saw the interview with isa you know we're, we're we're friends i think we actually share dna with her and other people who've, who've uh, put out successful things and that it was a self-starter we did the same thing we were both in groups we were like why are we not getting the parts we want we realized that if we want to play the parts mm-hmm. that we were most proud of we'd have to write them ourselves and then we formed our own sketch comedy group called cleo's apartment which you know looking back felt like somewhat haphazard and, and scary, but also tons of fun. What's crazy is we had our first big sort of break break on the Comedy Central stage, which was on, uh, it was actually at the Hudson Theater on Santa Monica in Hollywood. They actually, back then, where you were, where you were, performing. were just like, yeah, it was awesome. Was and, and, it's not there anymore now. Is it still? But we did, you know, we did a show there. It was, it, you know, we got lucky. Our first show was an incredibly huge success. Sold out. We sold out the whole run. And, and who is in our first ensemble? Our first ensemble are all people who are on a- HBO right now, like Robin Thede, uh, Wyatt Tanak, Nika King, who's in the new show Euphoria, Plans and Dies Mom, uh, Neff Spencer, who's in all our stuff, me and Diallo, and then a bunch of other great people, Angie Yarbrough, who's uh, over at Disney. And I feel really lucky looking back that we actually had good taste because all those folks are still making great comedy. And, and I'm like, yeah, we were there on the ground floor with a lot of great people. How'd you- so we were, we, were, we, were, we were deeply involved with sketch comedy throughout the aughts. Um, which I'd just like to take a second and say I, I've always felt like the, the first decade of every century should be called the turnies. Ooh, Turn of the I century. Like it like just is better than the aughts. Yeah. You say the aughts and people think that you're like, you know, giving them obligations or something <laughs> like that. Like, no, the turnies. So let it, let it begin now. A couple of years too late, but maybe we'll all be here for the next turnies. Mm. Um, we spent, we spent the, tu- <laughs> we spent the, it'd tu- <laughs> be 125. Um, you know, like we, we, we were, we were deeply involved in sketch and then YouTube came out in, in, in 2006. And we were like, we should, we should make some YouTube videos. And then, we had one of the first viral videos. We got two million views, which at the time was unheard of. And we got uh, agents and managers. It was, it was a sketch called Condi Rice Raps. And uh, 
And it had Nefertari Spencer, who ironically plays a very important character on Southside. Once again, we've stuck with the people who we believed in back then, and they have, for the most part, forgotten who we are. But we have looked out for everybody who we... Is that uh, how you also got involved with a a website that nobody... You're, you're really going there? This just in? You're, okay, so you, I, I'm going to give you the award. <laughs> Absolutely nobody who's ever interviewed us has done this much research. <laughs> I, I mean it. Every, with, every, with every turn, mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy, I, I'd really like to know what your research well, process is. Well, I was just is. watching a video uh, earlier today from that, uh, that star, Which one Rob, did you watch? Robin Thede, where she was... Which she, one? Uh, it was, Hogwarts? No, it was, it was Ghetto Card, because I was interested. Oh, my God. Because I that was, is such a deep cut. Because I, I was, don't even remember what the joke of Ghetto Card is, but I know just, that we did just it. Just listing various celebrities, and yeah. they would show the images. And we were revoking their Ghetto Cards, or, which... Or, or you would have, the, and, and because wow. it's from 2008, shit, I was surprised by, like... How it well post it, how to, it plays post in two thousand eight, but how it plays in twenty nineteen. Why? Who do we get to revoke? Well, like Robin Thede got a get a card forever for life. Yeah. <laughs> why are you why are you grinning about that? <laughs> Wait, Rob, Robin Thede? Who? No, no, no Robin, Robin Thick. Robin Thick. Robin Thick got a got a get a card for life. Well, we didn't know that he was going to become that guy. Like you know. Hilarious, yeah. No, you know. Here's one thing about our comedy: our comedy age, our comedy does not age. It is always timeless. Well, you were working with Robin Thede on this. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just website that was HBO and AOL and AOL. Yeah, we just go back to the same. We we started at the Comedy Central stage, and we then we worked with HBO, and then we moved off to. Uh, okay, so I'm going to beat you to the punch. Mm-hmm. Our videos got seen. Mm-hmm. We got our first job in TV with David Allen Greer, Chocolate News, okay. on Comedy Central. So we're back at Comedy Central nice. at this point. Comedy Central keep popping up. Okay. Thank goodness, because we're at Clusterfest, Comedy Central's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clusterfest, San Francisco. I, I hear Comedy there's still Central some badges. Enough, I, listen, I... Provoke this, this interview. I, I, think, I, this I hear there's still badges available for people listening. So Clusterfest, Comedy Central. I want to give a shout-out. You know, it's important to give this shout-out. Because one thing that Issa said, we were just speaking with her, and the Dial was underlining, is that it's, it's really important who you partner with. Yes. Hold on, wait, the cops are coming for me. <laughs> no, I did make a note that Diallo mentioned But like, it, it matters who you work with. So, so check this out, right? We actually, matters. when we were in New York, about six or seven months before we decided that we were going to leave, because it was, people all knew it was time for us to have a show, and we were like, all right, it's time to try and do something. We actually had lunch with Kent Alterman mm-hmm. in New York. And this is a four years before we actually developed with him. And I just want to give him a shout-out to say that he had his eye on us back then, and he felt really good about working with us on something, and we finally, the stars aligned for Southside, and we haven't looked back. And it really matters who, you know, who you partner with. And to be with Comedy Central, a brand, with, I always feel like they have comedy that does not feel like it's, like, been noted and, and, and it's, it doesn't feel watered down. It feels like the comedian's actual now, point of view and that was always something very important to us. Where, where, where did we meet Kent? Uh, at the Soho Hotel. The Trump Soho Hotel. Oh, yes. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Or another, no, it's fine. It was the Trump Soho. Yeah, it was a great hotel, by the way. We really nice. By our table, we were like, thank you for having us here. And he was like, have a good time eating in my hotel. Never, I'll never forget that. The Donald was there. Yeah, Donald, he was just walking around being mm. gracious, you know. Yep. Wow. Yeah, interesting. What, I'm, I'm more fascinated, though, by what it was like working in those days of the early web videos. You know, it was a wild, wild west. 
And uh, actually, before YouTube, there was a thing called Google Video, which a lot of people don't know about. And we actually put our very first stuff up there. We were always technology forward. And it occurred to us that, you know, it doesn't make sense to do a sketch comedy show, you know, like somewhere off of Melrose and Heliotrope Mm -hmm. where nobody's going to come see it when you have this amazing distribution system called Google Video, which, of course, then YouTube got created, and then Google bought YouTube, and Google Video went away. But our very first video, uh, The Wire, we, we did a uh, HBO actually approached us back then to do a parody of The Wire. By the way, I had never seen the show The Wire at the time, because but everybody's like, you got to watch this show. So we literally crammed three seasons, and then we wrote a sketch, and they loved it, and they wanted to make a video to promote the next. I think it was season three or something that was coming out, season four. Yeah, season four, because I think, and spoiler alert, I think a certain major character had died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, it was a. Uh, yeah, it was, it was Idris Elba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we did that, and, and it was kind of cool because that whole time we were sort of, like, struggling, and both of us were working incredibly bad, odd jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, any kind of bad, odd job you could think of, we were also just, like, learning how to do the work, learning how to be consistent. And then when we got to Fallon, that was, like, hyperdrive. That was, like, all of a sudden it went from trying to work a day job and then doing our stuff at night to spending anywhere from the minimum eight to the maximum 19 hours a day just trying to make comedy and make it Wait, funny. So that stuff you were doing for this just in wasn't paying, paying the bill? Uh, it was, it, they, I mean, that was the best money we'd ever received to our lives yeah. to that point, yes. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, like, you know, because we, we had been shooting, like, I think when we did a wire to the max, I mean, like, that whole thing might have been budgeted for, like, 600. I remember the first time that uh, this just in came to us, and they were like, "We'll pay you fifteen hundred dollars in production costs a week." That was separate from our salary. It was like, mm-hmm. "We'll pay you fifteen hundred dollars a week," to, and we and you can keep the rollover, yeah. man. So some we, some days we were just like shooting in front of a green screen because we were like, "Man, we gotta like rent out like the parking lot of a of a of a Ross dress for less so we could shoot this fake Rick Ross video, yeah. you know." And it, it was called Rick Ross for Ross, yeah. and it was and it was Bashir as Rick Ross. <laughs> it was Rick Ross. And we did a complete parody of uh, 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 what was that song called? Something to the limit, push it to the limit. But ours was called uh, prices, prices You Can Live With. <laughs> and it was like prices you can live with. Do you ever work with uh, Pedro? What's his name? Pedro Castro, guy, the, the guy from from Chicago who was doing some videos where they're like plays on like local truck. Dealers. You know, I, look. Here's the deal. Like the, the the web world is wonderful. Yeah. I'm so happy we got in and then got out when we did because it is just it's too many people. Well, that, we have 18 introductions to the jib jab guys. That's where everywhere uh, we went, we were like, you guys heard about jib jab? Hey, have you guys? Do you guys want to meet the jib jab guys? Like they were the, they were stars. Well, that's, and they still are. Damn it. Yeah. That's the question that I have that I I feel like you you didn't really address with Issa today at Clusterfest, mm, which is. Both, no, both of you like found well, success. Both of you found success by doing your own work on the web. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's such a different thing to try to pull off in 2019 than it was. You know, I in, think there's in 2009 but, but I or think 2011. There's, I, I, I think it's very different. Yeah, like nowadays, like you could have a sketch on YouTube. It could have like a million views. I feel like it's not automatically going to get you signed to. CAA. Like, someone has to look at it, see some real craftsmanship, see some real jokes, and then maybe they'll meet with you, and then maybe they'll keep you in the ghettos of like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so's buying digital media. We know what mm-hmm. that is. Um, I, and I, I would also say, look, I think in, in order to be successful in any business and in ours, you need competency and confidence and, and talent. You need all that. All, and, and luck, obviously. And I think one of the things about the web is that it allows you to make things that 
don't necessarily have to be judged and you could, you know, strengthen your own confidence in your own voice as a creator because as you rise and begin to work with different companies, I mean, it, it just gets harder. And it helps if you feel like you know what you're doing. And luckily we shared that with her and that by the time she was developing and by the time we were developing, we had a really good sense of, of what worked and what didn't. I mean, Lauren came to us and said, you guys need to go do a show before we even really realized ourselves. I mean, we knew we wanted to kind of expand and do our own thing, but it was like kind of obvious, like, hey, you guys know what you're doing. It's time to go go out and get And he kicked us out the nest and, you know, flapped our wings, and then we hit the ground. And he's like, oh, they actually can fly. <laughs> That's a great Lauren Michaels impression. I was just thinking we needed a, a new Lauren Michaels impression. I got to say, I was watching Austin Powers the other day, and I was like, holy shit. I never realized the degree to which Dr. Oh, Evil... Is Lauren Michaels? Yeah. Impre- it's such a great one. I mean, um, yeah. So going back to that moment when HBO decided came came to you and said, "You know what? On second thought, we're not going to do Brothers in Atlanta." How how did you regroup from that? Okay, so so this is do, let, let me take one step. Back. Let me take one step back. We were there for multiple presidents of HBO. Right. Because when this we, just in was part of it. Well, no, no, no. Why See, that's that's not the chorus. So the chorus oh, is this just in. Mm-hmm. Oh, finally, your research has failed you. We did just in. Uh, this just in. Mm-hmm. We go to Fallon for almost four years. Right. The late night. We, yeah, Lauren kicks us out of the nest. Oh, they can fly. And then we landed at HBO, and we developed there for four more years. So at this point, our 30s are coming to the to an end. We shot one pilot with one president. She got fired. Next president came in, said, "I don't like HBO this pilot, but I like you, president. HBO president." He's like, "I don't like this pilot, but I like you guys, so let's mm-hmm. do another pilot." So then we took a really, we almost took like a year to just work with like Lauren's talent. Like, and by the way, it was it was it was fun. It was it was a fun it was a fun year because that was the first time we'd worked with Drake. It was the first time we worked with Maya Rudolph. We were working with all the half-black, half-Jewish talent in Hollywood. And, um, <laughs> and uh, 2014, man, Eric black Andre? and Jewish, black and Jewish. Actually, well, see, he, had been, he, he was in the pilot that, that, that didn't go forward. Okay, so yeah, all the black. Uh, so he wasn't, so yeah, I just, I black and Jewish. He's Jewish. Get with our tribe, get with our tribe. Yeah. I, I say that only to say that by 2015. So no, your research is tight man you should do you should be in the presidential campaign i think you know um 2015 we shoot the second pilot mm-hmm. they give they they green light it it goes out in in deadline we tell all our friends and then we open up the writers room and we hire all these writers who we like and some are you know one's a writer from girls and you know this writer is actually associated with a with an upcoming Issa Rae project or you know, whatever and there's like you know there's a lot of hbo we actually brought in this really funny, talented guy, Yasser Lester. Mm-hmm. He had yeah. been doing stand-up and also writing um, for a couple for Adult Swim. He was really on Adult Swim's radar. I feel like at that time, Walter Newman had had introduced him to us, and and we had this great writers' room, and we turned out a great season of scripts. And that was when they came to us and said, "You know, I'll never forget this. Like we had shot a pilot, we had written all these scripts. They wouldn't give us production dates." Mm-hmm. Now we're still green enough to the game that we didn't realize. And looking back now, like we would have known way earlier. Like you don't finish the whole season and then like sit around for six months waiting for production dates. Like clearly they were weighing some other stuff against us. But 
um, that happened. And, you know, like Bashir said, I, I may be a little bit more torn on it because just because Atlanta's my, right, my hometown. Atlanta yeah, like, it, it is hard Bashir for me. Gets his, his family into a show. It's not fair. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, like, I look, I, I still feel like there can be more than one show in Atlanta. Yeah, it was, it was pretty dark times. But like Bashir said, there's always something good that comes out of it. We wouldn't have Southside or Sherman Showcase. We wouldn't. I, I probably would have never had the chance to do some acting on an NBC sitcom. Who knew Marlin. that that was Marlon? Who knew that was going to be as much fun as it was? Uh, maybe Bashir wouldn't have been on 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 Glow and and been in 18 movies that I see people watching on on American Airlines every time I get on there. Like you know, I'm just like, oh man, a simple life. Oh man, uh, 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 what's the one with uh, where you play the guy's attorney? Uh, gringo. gringo like gringo. you know the, we we in every setback there's been opportunity we've tried to live by that old you know chinese proverb so like i think that it's it's it's, it's worked out to the <laughs> <laughs> don't just don't, don't. We're, we're, we're in San Francisco. Don't. <laughs> I, mean, what if, I don't care i, I no but but, there, but there's adver- you know every every adversity is an opportunity it's an old chinese proverb and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. totally true so moving on. One door closes, a window opens. You know, my father used to always say that to me. He'd be like, hey, son, you know, the Chinese have a proverb about that. I'm thinking now dad was making some of those up. Like, I don't think they had a proverb about cleaning my room. So At least he didn't say there's a riddle for that. Oh, no. I wish he had, though. It, no. My, father, my father's comedy was tight, though. That's why, um, I, did, that's why I just do the interviews. <laughs> you do the comedy, I do the interviews. Let me just say we this, have our though. roles. Look, at the end of the day, you know... It, it, we, we just talked about this. It's about fit. Mm-hmm. The, the fit there was one that was imperfect. And then, luckily for us, it wasn't about finding somebody new. It was about remembering who had shown us a sign that it would be a great fit. It was about that. And then we literally only took Southside to one place. We did not shop this around. We went right into Kent's office. And we said, we have a show for you. This is what it is. He said, what's it called? We said, Southsiders. He was like, let's do it. That was, take off the R and the S. that was it. That was it. He's like, you know, you know? what? I've, I've had enough of Detroit. Let's yeah. move over to Chicago. And what was nice about Ken is that he's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to mess around with you guys. He's like, mm-hmm. if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. If I don't, you'll know quickly. It won't be sitting around like he was saying. And and so the thing about it was, though, it was immediately different. The relationship was different. It was like we were with people, and and eventually we had uh, a great relationship that that it felt like. The work was constantly just getting better, but it was never, ever not our vision. It was never a moment where I looked at it and felt like, what is that? And I think that moment had happened at a variety of different places. Even at Chocolate News, when we got there, we were like, oh, I see. So we're here after they shot the sketches. and they wanted, So it wasn't quite you know, something where we really wanted to dig our heels in and really show the world we're capable of. This was the very first time where we had full license. To really, really spread our wings, and uh, again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be sitting here in this moment right now. Well, and that shows both of your, both of the new series you have coming out have really strong visions, points of view. It's not just oh, these are a collection of sketches. No, or, I mean, here's some funny ideas. No, no, absolutely. I mean, here's I think situation. It's like we, we kind of see it as like two halves of our brain. You know, we we definitely wanted to do something that was narrative. And that was a workplace comedy, that Southside, featuring great people, again, in front of and behind the camera, family and friends, and an episodic show. I mean, for me, I love shows where I love Rick and Morty. 
You know, I love Family Guy. I like anything where every episode is different so that you can jump in. I mean, even like a couple of nights ago, I was, you know, in my hotel room and I was watching, I was just jumping around episodes from different seasons of Rick and Morty because it doesn't matter because they're all good. And so I think that's something that we want. We want people to be able to watch Southside. If you didn't see the last episode, it doesn't matter. If you did see it, great. You might get a couple more jokes, a couple more inferences, but it won't stop you from enjoying the funny, enjoying the ride. We're actually going to be showing an episode tomorrow here at Clusterfest. So excited for people to see it. I think Langston's going to be uh, part of that, uh, and he actually wrote the episode. Nice. Uh, Langston Kerman from Insecure, by the way. So it's like, I think the other thing that for me has been wonderful is that I really feel like I'm watching, and, and Issa said this today, I'm sort of repeating her, but I'm, I'm watching people who I love and respect make great stuff, and then I'm also able to, Dial and I are also able to put our own stuff, and it's nice to be in this moment. I mean, this does really feel special to me. Let me just say real quick, uh, also just to jump onto that point, to your question of, of why we always feel like these song, both shows have to have such a strong point of view, mm-hmm. I think that's the only way that it can remain interesting to us and also to get us to do our best. Um, I, I'm going to actually invoke my father here. He always felt like his art only meant something if it was saying something. And, you know, his early work is what everybody learns. It's like still art, you know, like it's still life. Still life? Is that the term? I think you know what I'm talking about. It's like apple, fruits and apples plants. and fruits and bowls and stuff. Wow. And, you know, that's when, that's when he's learning how to paint. But then pretty quickly, like he's painting about Nixon and painting about the Watts riots. And, you know, I think that what gets us to deliver our best material, it always has a strong point of view. It always has a strong voice, a distinctive voice. You know, when I was down there uh, talking to Issa today, like I intentionally brought up, I, I use the word Malibu instead of real talk, you know, because they do that on the show, and I love that. And I feel like our shows also have a language of their own. So when you watch Southside, you'll hear our actors, who are all essentially from the Southside, and, and some of them are still actively living there, um, they're going to use the authentic lingo and, and phrasing of the Southside Chicago. Speaking of which, Issa mentioned that the fact that she didn't end up going to NYU, she right? thinks helped her because yeah. she, she had to be a theater brat. Right. right In retrospect, do you feel the same way that the fact that you didn't know that the the traditional comedy way to go is join the Lampoon and then immediately go to SNL? You know, it's it's the fact uh, that you didn't yeah. do that actually helped because you, know, I you think found your own path. Yeah. You know, we had a, a very that's the Chinese yeah. proverb. Y'all just both making it. Both, both you guys are making stuff up. That's not true. Now, I would say yes, and, and I would encourage anybody who who gets to listen to this that you know failure is your friend. Um, success has many, many. Uh, my, the homie, success has. No, he's always around. I think success. Success has many iterations, but I think because we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We taught ourselves. We didn't know that we were supposed to join the Lampoon in order to get a writer job. If you join the Lampoon, usually you'll come out of Harvard with a writer's sample that's pretty badass because it's been peer-reviewed undergrad, and it, it makes it easier to be read in a, in a comedy room. We didn't know that. You know, we didn't know th- about these networks. But, but when I look at where we are and I look at where a lot of other people are, I feel happy. I feel good because we, you know, well, we can carry a tune, true. But also we, you know, but we, but we still got there. It's, it's funny. I was actually... Um, I'm actually doing a movie now with one of the guys from Insecure, and I was just thinking to myself when we were on set the other day, I was like, it's so interesting, uh, Jay Ellis. He's in top yeah, of Yeah, of course. And I was just thinking to myself, like, it's so crazy how I always thought that, 
you know, for me, feature acting is, is very important. Um, it was, it's always been a dream. And now that I'm doing it, it's, 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 it's special, but it's also like I was wrong about how it was going to happen. I was totally wrong. I thought it would be one way, mm. and it's not that way. And so once you disabuse yourself of your sense of the way things are supposed to be, and just embrace what's actually happening, you can actually do some damage because you're, you're living in reality, and reality is a great place to be. Well, thank you for, thank you for spending some Thanks time with me. I know you got to meet and greet some... Yeah, we got some more stuff some, to do, yeah? Some more stuff to do. Yeah, here. but uh, just one more shout-out. Like, I think that sometimes these uh, interviews can be almost like banging your head against the wall. The fact that you did so much research, I, I'm both humbled, and I would say if you ever want to get together again and talk some more in-depth about anything, any other stuff that, that we're doing or that you're doing, just hit us up, because, dude, I'm, I'm so impressed. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.